Well, if you have your Bibles with you this morning, open with me to Proverbs chapter 16, verse 32. Proverbs 16, 32. We'll look at this one and many other Proverbs this morning as we consider the subject of controlling anger. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 32. And if you don't have a Bible with you, you can grab the Pew Bible there and turn to page 506 in the Pew Bible. That's page 506 in the Pew Bible. And if you do not have a Bible of your own, then I invite you to take that Pew Bible with you. And that's our gift to you because we want everybody to have a copy of God's Word and benefit from it. You know, a favorite TV show of mine growing up as a kid uh, used to come on, I don't know what night, but uh, when it w- when it ca- every night that it came on, I was there ready and waiting. It was the Incredible Hulk starring Lou Ferrigno as the Incredible Hulk. That was my, one of my favorite shows. And in the Hulk, of course, you had David Banner. And yes, for my Marvel folks in the TV series, it was David, not Bruce, but uh, it for some reason. But David Banner, <coughs> he would always say in about every episode, he would tell someone, don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. And of course, inevitably, someone would make him angry. And when he became angry, then the, the manifestation, the physical manifestation of his rage would burst through and he would transform into the incredible Hulk. You know, at times we all probably feel like a little bit like the incredible Hulk. Have you ever had one of those times where you just lost control of your anger? You said something that you didn't, that you later regretted, or you did something that you later regretted because of your anger, that emotional, uh, emotion of rage bursting through. We all have experienced that in our own lives. And so today we need to understand this very valuable biblical lesson from the Proverbs. Control anger lest it control you. Control anger, lest it control you. This is a lesson that we want to learn from Proverbs this morning. And as we consider this lesson, first we're going to see, we're going to define anger. Second, we're going to consider the fruits of anger. And then third, I want to point out to you five ways to control anger. So we're going to define anger, see the fruits of anger, and then think of five ways to control our anger. So we just, we're just going to read one text today from our, as our starting point, but we'll go to several different Proverbs over the course of the message today. So if you found Proverbs chapter 16, verse 32, please stand with me in reverence to the reading of God's holy word. hear the word of the Lord whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city let's go to the Lord in prayer heavenly father Lord we thank you for your holy inspired and inerrant word we thank you Lord that you do teach us about anger so Lord today as we look at this subject and we all have experienced anger to one degree or the other lord help us to learn how to control anger and to manifest anger in biblical ways this morning 
So, Lord, open our ears to hear and our eyes to see and give us hearts willing to obey your word. This I pray in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, as we begin this morning, first we must understand exactly what anger is. So we, we need to consider anger's definition. Anger's definition. What is anger? One definition is this. Anger is a strong emotional response of displeasure triggered by a perceived wrongdoing or injustice to oneself or to another. Let me say that again. Anger is a strong emotional response of displeasure. It's an emotional response, right? It's an emotion triggered by a perceived wrongdoing or injustice to oneself or another. So anger is an emotional thing. Anger is an emotional thing. It's just like anger and sadness and happiness. All of those are emotions that we experience as a human being. And we need to understand that anger is not necessarily a bad thing. Anger, you, you, might, you, you need to understand, is a, an emotion that we receive as part of the image of God in us. So all anger is not sinful. And we see that in Scripture. In Scripture, we see two types of anger. And so in Scripture, first of all, we see righteous anger. Righteous anger. This is the anger, anger that is often ascribed to God. This is divine anger. According to the Baker Encyclopedia of the Bible, righteous anger is the extreme displeasure of, an, of a holy heart unable to tolerate sin of any kind let me say that again righteous anger is the extreme displeasure of a holy heart a holy heart unable to tolerate sin of any kind and so righteous anger is anger toward sin anger towards the sin and, and the, the consequences of sin that we see so often in this world. So it is good and right and just to be angry when we consider that millions of babies are being murdered every day across America. It's right to be angry about that. It's right to be angry to, to hear about child abuse. It's right to get angry when we hear about murder. It's right to be angry when we hear about rape and sexual immorality. It is right to be angry over sin. But righteous anger is not just anger towards sin, but it's also controlled anger. It's controlled. It's not an anger that gets out of control where we just lose control of our, our actions and our speech. It's controlled anger. We see this in Scripture many times ascribed to God, as God is building up His wrath towards sinful humanity, ready to pour out His wrath on the day of judgment. That is His anger. Wrath is God's righteous anger towards sin. We also see it in the life of Jesus. Jesus displayed righteous anger uh, over the Pharisees' hardness of heart in Mark chapter 3, verses 3 through 5. And Jesus said to the man, 
with a withered hand, come here. And then he said to the Pharisees, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do harm, to save life or to kill? But they were silent. And he looked around at them with anger, grieved at their hardness of heart, and said to the man, stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was restored. You see, Jesus was angry at the sinful heart of the Pharisees. Here they were, these supposed men of God, who had no mercy whatsoever in their hearts. That angered Jesus. But he, he remained in control of his actions. He remained in control of his speech. He rebuked them for their hardness of heart. Right? He confronted their sin, and then he did what was right. But he never lost control of what he was doing. So there's righteous anger, this extreme displeasure of a holy heart, unable to tolerate sin of any kind, righteous anger. But then there's another kind of anger, and we see this probably more often in Scripture. And this is unrighteous anger, unrighteous anger. This is the anger of man. The anger of man is, is not the extreme displeasure of a holy heart over sin, but the loss of self-control and wisdom due to a wounded pride. Unrighteous sin is the loss of self-control and the loss of wisdom, the loss of their mind due to a wounded pride. So someone hurts your ego. Someone does something that, that just feels like a put-down. It, it, it hurt, hurts your ego. It, it messes with your pride, and you lash out. Such anger is unrighteous anger. It's the loss of control. We say lose your temper. You, you lose your, your balance, your equilibrium. You lose your temper. It's the loss of wisdom. You, you blow your top. Lose your mind in anger. And there's this desire for vengeance, for revenge. We want to get back at the person who angered us. See, such anger is an unrighteous anger. We see this in Scripture, and we see it anger take place early in Scripture. Genesis chapter 4, the story of Cain and Abel. There were Cain and Abel, and, and uh, this was the first worship war, wasn't it? And the first worship war ended in murder because you had Cain and Abel. Both of them provided sacrifices unto the Lord. And Abel's sacrifice pleased God. His heart was in the right place and it pleased God. Cain's sacrifice did not please God. And it was not accepted by God. And what did Cain, how did Cain respond? He responded in anger. His, his anger boiled within him. God said, Cain, watch out now. Watch out unless your anger take control of you. But Cain did not hear the, he, heed the voice of God. Instead, when he found Abel in the field, he lost control. He reached out and he murdered his brother Abel out of anger. 
You see, anger, unrighteous anger, it, it's due to this wounded pride. It, it's against us. We're too proud. We won't let it go. We lose control. And we sin against the holy God. You see, we need to understand that righteous anger, anger toward sinful things of this world, that's right, right and good and just. We should be angry over sin. We should be angry when we see sin in our own lives. But never losing control, remembering that vengeance is not mine, it belongs to the Lord. So righteous anger is good and right and just, but unrighteous anger is sin against a holy God. Now we have, now that we have anger's definition, now let us move to consider anger's fruit. Anger's fruit, and, and this, let me be clear, is the fruits of unrighteous anger. We're, we're considering the fruits of unrighteous anger, the anger of of men, the anger that we most often, if we're honest with ourselves, most likely experience, unrighteous anger. Unrighteous anger, first of all, produces strife and division. Strife and division. These two go together, of course, because strife it equals division. It brings division. Unrighteous anger produces strife and division. Proverbs chapter 15, verse 18 says, a hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger quiets contention. Proverbs 29, 22 says a similar thing. A man of wrath, a man of anger, stirs up strife, and one, who, one given to anger causes much transgression. Anger causes, uh, unrighteous anger produces strife and division. When we lash out towards someone because of, of our anger, it causes more conflict. It causes division. How often we, do we see this even in our own homes? You know, oftentimes, uh, our conflict at home, we, we get in these cycles of conflict, right? One spouse says something, maybe meaningly or not meaning to to set off the other one, you know, causes the other one to be angry. So the husband says something to the wife. The wife gets angry at the husband. And instead of responding in grace and kindness and, and trying to, to resolve the problem, the wife lashes about back in anger. And the husband, instead of being calm and, and trying to resolve the, the conflict, lashes back in anger, and it goes back on and on and on. And in the cycle of anger, one going after the other over and over again until finally someone has to, to stop and say, enough, let's talk about this, let's work this out, and quit the cycle of, of conflict. But that's how it happens. We allow our anger to take over. We allow that emotion to, to cause us to lose control and we lash out at another. And that angry lashing out doesn't, doesn't ever resolve the conflict. No, grace and mercy resolves conflict. Anger just stirs it up all the more. 
So the first fruit of anger that we see in, in the Proverbs is strife and division. Second, unrighteous anger produces loneliness. Unrighteous anger produces loneliness. Proverbs chapter 14, verses 16 and 17. Proverbs 14, 16 and 17 says, One who is wise is caution and turns away from evil. But a fool is reckless and careless. A man quick temper, of quick temper acts foolishly. And a man of evil devices is hated. You see, a man of anger is not going to have many friends. Because a person of anger, uh, they, they, they lose their friends, right? I mean, you, you know someone who is like this, who just blows their top at, at, at anything. And people have to walk around them on eggshells, hoping that they don't become the ire of their anger. Oh, Lord, don't let me make them mad. Don't let me make them mad. Don't let them strike out at me. And, and so what do you do when, when you have a person like that? Well, you quit hanging around with them. You don't want to be around them. You don't want to have to walk on eggshells thinking that anything you say or do might set the person off. So anger, being a person of anger, it will bring loneliness. It will cause loneliness. Family and friend alike will separate themselves from a person of anger. Anger produces loneliness. Third, anger produces judgment. Anger produces judgment. Proverbs 19, 19. A man of great wrath will pay the penalty. For if you deliver him... You will only have to do it again. A man of great wrath will pay the penalty. It will happen. Right? You, you can bail him out a time ag and time again, but, but he's just going to get himself in more trouble. He's going to allow his anger to get him into more trouble to cause more conflict. And eventually, it's going to bring, uh, not the, the, the judgment of men, but it's going to bring the judgment of God. That's where the anger of man leads to, the absolute judgment of God. Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 through 22. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you, that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council. That's the council of God. And whoever says, you fool, will be liable to hell of fire. Unrighteous anger is sin against a holy God. When you lash out against other people who are made in the image of, of a holy God. You are lashing out at God. And God is the one who will repay. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. And there is coming a day of reckoning that those who live in anger, those who live in sin, 
will stand before a holy God and they will give an account for their sin and God will bring the gavel down guilty as charged. Away from me, you worker of iniquity. For you, your sentence is the hell of fire created for the devil and all of his angels. Oh, the end of the anger of man, unrighteous anger, is the final judgment of God. Now, if we're all honest, we've all experienced the anger of man. We've all had those times in our lives where we've lost our temper and we have been angry with someone. And we read these words of Jesus and we think in our, we know in our heart that we deserve the hell of fire because we've lost control. We've said things and did things out of anger, deserving of God's judgment. But praise be to God that God has provided a way out of his judgment through his son, Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 3, verses 23 through 25 reads, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. That's each and every one of us in this room, each and every one listening on live stream. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus whom God put, put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. Now that word propitiation means to pay the penalty, to propitiate the, the wrath of God, to appease, to satisfy the righteous anger of God towards sin. That's what Jesus did on the cross. You see, we deserve the righteous anger of God to be poured out upon us because of our anger, our adultery, our sin, our lying mouths, all of this. We, we deserve the outpouring of God's wrath upon us. We deserve hell because of our sin against a holy God. But God sent his son, Jesus Christ. And on Calvary's cross, he poured out his blood in our place to appease the anger of God. God's righteous anger towards sin was poured out on the sinless Jesus Christ who hung there in our place. He received the penalty. He received the judgment so that we might receive his eternal blessing. Oh, dear friend, the unrighteous anger of man deserves the righteous anger of God. Your anger deserves God's judgment. But by God's grace, if you have faith in Jesus Christ, if you trust Jesus and surrender your life to him, he paid the penalty. He received the judgment so that you might be forgiven and have life in him. Strife, loneliness, and God's judgment 
are the fruits of man's sinful anger. Lest you bear the fruit of unrighteous anger, turn away from your unrighteous anger, turn to Christ, receive Christ, trust in Christ, and then learn to control your anger, lest it control you. So we have anger's definition, anger's fruit, and now let us consider anger's control. Anger's control. We see this in several verses in Scripture and in Proverbs. But the first one we actually find in the New Testament. But it's an important one that we need to understand. First, if you want to control anger, you must walk in the Spirit. You must walk in the Spirit. We turn to the New Testament because the Old Testament knew nothing of walking in the Spirit. For in the Old Testament, the Spirit walked with them, but not in them. Only at the day, only at the day of Pentecost did the Spirit begin to walk in us. And so we have the wonderful gift of the Holy Spirit. When we come to faith in Jesus Christ, when we trust in Jesus, the Spirit moves in. And now we're able to walk in the Spirit. He is able to guide us and direct us and and help us to control that anger. We must walk in the Spirit. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22 through 24. Listen to this. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, peace, uh, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have, been, have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. You see all those fruits of the Spirit, they're quite the opposite of the fruits of anger, aren't they? aren't they? Because the Holy Spirit comes into our lives and He helps us to gain control over our desires, the fleshly desires that drive us to anger, that drive us to all of our sins. When we walk in the Spirit, we're able to to, to control ourselves because we've surrendered ourselves to the Spirit's guidance. Oh, dear friend, if you want to control anger, you must trust in Jesus Christ. You must allow the Holy Spirit to, to come into your life and have control of your life. You must walk in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit day by day. Every day when you wake up, crucify the flesh and all of its desires. Pray to God, Lord God, help me to walk in the Spirit today. Let the Holy Spirit guide me today. Keep me on track. Help me to control my anger in the Spirit. So we must walk in the Spirit. Second, rule your emotions. If you want to control anger, you must rule your emotions. Of course, this only comes when you receive the spirit but but once the spirit comes in now you're able you have the power right you have the power over emotions living in you the spirit's living in you allowing you a power over your emotions now take take that power use that power to rule over your emotions proverbs 16:32 whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city oh see the the contrast here 
we think of mighty men and great warriors and, and they're, they're, they're men of might and force. But scripture says the one who is slow to anger, the one who can control himself, rule over his spirit, is better than the mightiest of men and the strongest warriors. Oh, rule over your emotions. How do you rule over your emotions? Well, you must maintain two things. You must maintain self-awareness. That is, don't lose your mind. Don't lose your wisdom. Maintain self-awareness and maintain self-control. Maintain self-awareness and maintain self-control. You know, there's actually a physiological change that takes place in your body when you begin to get angry. As one website notes, the brain shunts blood away from the gut and towards the muscles in preparation for physical exertion. Heart rate, blood pressure, and respiration increase. The body temperature rises and the skin begins to perspire. You begin to sweat. When you begin to get angry, blood rushes to your hands. Because your hands are getting ready to, to either grab a weapon or to make a fist and ready to fight, right? The, the, your, your, your blood pressure begins to, to boil within you. Your breathing gets heavier. This is kind of an interesting thing in the Hebrew. The, the word, the Hebrew word for anger is the same Hebrew word for nostril. Why? Because when you begin to get angry, your nostrils begin to flare as you begin to breathe heavier and heavier and heavier. So these physiological uh, uh, things begin to change in, in your, your body. You need to keep self-awareness. Note when these things begin to take place. Note when, when an offense comes and you feel your heart rate strike up a notch. Note when you start feeling that, ru that rush of blood going to your hands. Keep aware of those things. And when those things happen, take control. Oh, I'm not going to lose my top. I'm not going to lose control. I'm going to do what I have to do to, to stay under control. Take a moment and breathe. A big breath. Instead of allowing your body to... to, to, to uh, Increase your breathing rate. Force your body to take a big, strong breath to slow that breathing down. Count to ten. Just stop and count to ten. Don't respond. Don't don't let the words come out of revenge come uh, come out of your mouth. Count to ten. Allow your jaw to relax. One thing I learned when I was studying education, when, when someone says something that's meant to set you off, the first thing that you do is you just stop and you don't say a word. And you take your tongue and you run your tongue across the top of your mouth and let it rest in the back of your mouth so that it holds your jaw open. You don't allow your jaw to clench because when you allow your jaw to clench, it just makes you get more angry. Rest your jaw, relax your jaw. Cause your muscles to relax instead of getting all tensed up. Take control of your body. Don't allow your emotions to take control of your body. You control your body. You control your emotions. Get back, anger. 
Get back. And if you have to, walk away. Walk away. If somebody's in your face just trying to push your buttons, walk away. There's no reason to stand there. There's no reason to allow that emotion to take control and respond in sin. Walk away. Leave the situation. And pray. Lord God, I feel it coming. I feel that stir in my soul. Give me strength. Help me to control my emotions. Help me to control my anger. Don't let me lose it, God. Don't let me lose it. Pray. When you begin to lose control, turn to God so that you may maintain control. Rule over your emotions. Walk in the Spirit. Rule your emotions. Number three, overlook offenses. Overlook offenses. Proverbs chapter 19, verse 11 Good sense makes one slow to anger, and it is his glory to overlook an offense. Have a heart of forgiveness. Have a heart of forgiveness. You know, a lot of times we become offended by things that people don't mean mean to offend us. I mean, have you ever done that? Have you ever said something and there was just a, a glitch in the communication, maybe you said it in a wrong tone or, or you said it in a wrong manner. You didn't mean it that way, but the person took it that way and, and they got mad at you. Or maybe vice versa, maybe someone said something to you and, and later you found out they didn't mean it the way you heard it. I, if we would just overlook that offense and, and begin to work through that, that conflict there, that, that communication we might find that there's nothing there to be angry about. But it starts by overlooking offenses. We need to overlook offenses. Of course we live in a sinful world, and of course people are going to offend us. I mean, my gracious, today we, we hear all about being offended. Every, every people's offended about everything. My goodness. Don't wear your heart on your sleeve, people. No need to get offended at every little thing that comes by. Begin to overlook offenses. Don't ever, don't take everything so personal. Have a heart of forgiveness. We're not all going to see things the same way, and we're not going to all say the right thing at the right time. We need to learn to overlook offenses, and praise be to God that Jesus Christ overlooked our offenses, that we offend him, toward him every day. Right? How many times a day do you offend God in your actions and your deeds? How often has he looked over, overlooked your offenses? Overlook offenses to overcome anger. So you walk in the spirit, you rule your emotions, you overlook offenses forth. Practice gracious speech. Practice gracious speech. Proverbs 15, verse 1. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. 
a soft answer turns away wrath. Practice gracious speech. Graciously confront the person of your anger to find a solution. Be solution-oriented. Again, let's, let's go back to that cycle of anger. Two people get in an argument. One says one thing to offend the other. The other responds in like manner, right? And, and they just go back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. What does it take to r- resolve the conflict? Not continued argument, not continued anger, but gracious speech. Let's, let's stop. Let's just, just talk about this. Let's cool off for a minute and, and let's talk about this. Now, here's what I hear you saying. Here's what I hear you saying. And then as you you say what you hear that other person saying, then you allow them, well, that's not really what I mean, right? You you allow them to respond to that. This is one of the lessons that we, we talk about in premarital counseling, right? This is essential conflict management. Because there's always going to be conflict where sinful human beings are involved. There's always going to be those arguments. But how do you overcome those? With gracious speech. Being kind and considerate to one another. Taking time to listen to one another. This is what, I, this is what I'm saying, right? Here's what I think you're saying. Is that what you're saying or not? No, that's not quite what I'm saying. I mean this. You, you practice gra- gracious speech. Don't just lose your, your temper. Don't blow your top. Practice gracious speech. Calmly, patiently, with kindness, work out the conflict. Practice gracious speech. Walk in the Spirit. Rule your emotions. Overlook offenses. Practice gracious speech. And number five, avoid angry people. Avoid angry people. This goes back to a, a, a previous message from the Proverbs that tr- choose your friends wisely, right? Avoid angry people. Proverbs chapter 20, uh, 22, verses 24 through 25. Make no friendship with a man given to anger, nor go with a wrathful man, lest you learn his ways and entangle yourself in a snare. Now, of course, we want to reach out to angry people and love them and share with them the gospel of Jesus Christ, but they shouldn't be our, our main source of companionship. We don't want to surround ourselves with angry people because if we, we begin to get in that relationship and constantly around angry people, guess what? We're going to become angry people ourselves. You avoid angry people. You, 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 you don't make friends with them. Because you don't want that anger to rub off on you. You let Jesus change their heart. Then you hang out with them. Avoid angry people. Control anger by walking in the spirit. Ruling over your emotions instead of allowing your emotions to rule you. Overlook offenses. Practice gracious speech and avoid angry people. Control your anger, lest it control you. 
James chapter 1, verses 19 through 20, <coughs> says this. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. The anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Indeed, our only hope of gaining the righteousness of God is by faith in Jesus Christ. Only faith in Christ produces the pure righteousness of God. Here's one of my favorite verses in all of Scripture. Philippians chapter 3, starting in verse 7. But whatever, <coughs> excuse me, the Apostle Paul says, but, what, <coughs> but whatever gain I had, I count as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness of God, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Oh, dear friend, the only way we gain the pure righteousness of God in any way, shape, form, or fashion is by God's grace through faith in Jesus Christ. When we trust in Jesus, he dons us with his perfect righteousness. Not only is that, but when we trust in Jesus, he gives us the Holy Spirit who, who enables us, gives us power over sinful desires. He lets us conquer anger and all sin in this life even when we trust in him and walk in his spirit. Oh, dear friend, in every way, Controlling anger, controlling sin of any kind. It begins by trusting in Jesus Christ. Seeking righteousness in Him. Have you trusted in Him today? Have you given your life to Him? If not, turn to Jesus. And He will save you. Oh, Heavenly Father. We thank you for your word. And Lord, we confess. Lord, I doubt that there's a soul in this place who hasn't lost their temper at some point in time in their life. There are those who struggle with, with their anger. That's a sin that they struggle with. There's others who, who, who've done it occasionally, but they, they have a decent control of it. But each and every one of us, Lord, we know anger. We've suffered unrighteous anger. But Lord God, we thank you that you give us power over anger through Jesus Christ our Lord. Oh Lord, help each one today trust in Jesus to surrender all to Jesus Christ. Lord, if there's any today 
who've never trusted in Jesus, never surrendered their life to Jesus. Lord, my prayer is that today you would open their eyes, open their ears, let them see Jesus and turn to him in this moment. This I pray in Christ's name. Amen.